Do you ever have that friend who just has everything and you're trying to look for a gift for them and they have tons of money, they have all the nice things in their house, they have uh, basically anything you can think of. So it's so hard to find the proper gift for this person. And that's what it feels like the Braves and the Dodgers are doing these days where they're just going back and forth with each other because they know they're the two best teams in the National League. and. Uh, Alex Anthopoulos and Andrew Friedman just keep buying nicer and nicer gifts for them themselves. It's going to be impossible to find anything for them. Hey, I actually disagree with you just a little bit. I don't think they're getting nicer and nicer gifts. I think they're going hipster. They're going out and buying the AMC Gremlin and they're making it cool. And that's what they're doing. They're making it very cool. And he is Gautham, and we are here in 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. This is now going on our fourth Major League Baseball season that we have been doing the podcast. Technically, we have not completed three full years of pod yet, but the way that we're starting to structure it is a season for us is calendar year. So we are now beginning our fourth calendar year. Uh, This is a big deal for us, I think. I think we finally kind of have an idea of what we're doing, what we want to do. Although that changes all the time. Uh, We kind of went through a lot of growth in 2023. That's not going to change here in 2024. In fact, I think we're probably going to keep growing and keep changing until we have something that is just unstoppable what do you think Gary? sounds great yeah let's keep the the train rolling so i do want to say right up off the top we have i i think officially added a third member to getaway day pod um and that would be our new editor slash producer uh if you hang out in ashley sanders twitch streams or her discord or kind of know me and my friends you know T-Rad uh, very, very well. He's been helping us out a lot here at the end of 2023, and he's got a ton of ideas to help us out in 2024, so I asked him to kind of hang out and help us out full-time. So uh, congratulations to T-Rad. Um, I think now we just have to get on to the new stuff. So, all right, so... We've been off for about two weeks now because of the holidays, and so some things have happened that uh, we haven't really talked about. And I think the first one is probably uh, what was kind of kicking off your cold open there, Uh, and that is that the Dodgers went out and signed for 12 years, $325 million, the 25-year-old Japanese phenom Yoshinobu Yamamoto. From the Oryx Buffaloes. Uh, this is the largest contract, both in length and total money, to a starting pitcher in Major League history. This is a guy who has not yet pitched in the majors. That is how good he is. That teams, three teams, were willing to give him at least 300 mil over 10 years. The Dodgers went to 12, 325. It's huge. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, the other part of it is that 
it, he, I'm not doubting his talent whatsoever, but the age plays a huge factor here, right? We've never seen like a 25-year-old phenom pitcher getting to free agency. That just doesn't happen with American-born pitchers that come through college or from high school. Like There are no super young pitchers that are going to reach free, free agency when they're 25 for the most part. So that's why this is such a novel contract. And the other aspect of it is it's 27 million or just a little bit more than 27 million per year. That's not an outrageous amount of money for a starting pitcher in the year 2024. That's less than like a guy like Aaron Nola makes in a year. And that seems fair. It seems very reasonable, actually, when you're considering both the age and the AAV. This is not like, uh, I don't know, this feels like a very fair and reasonable deal for for both sides yeah this is a market rate if not slightly under market rate contract the thing that makes it so kind of wild is the fact that it is 12 years for a starter it just doesn't happen right and we kind of knew that this was going to be a massive contract we've been talking about it for months like the dude is amazing and so it makes sense, especially given the fact he's 25. So this will keep him with the Dodgers until he is 37. Um, probably. He does have a couple opt-outs worked into his deal. Um, and his opt-outs actually move depending on the health of his right elbow. So if he is healthy the entire uh, time between now and... I shoot, I, I closed it, so I didn't actually get the exact. I think it's between now and 2029. If he's healthy the entire time, does not go on the IL for 134 consecutive days, no Tommy John, then he has an opt out after 2029 and he'll have another one after 2031. If he does get injured, has Tommy John or has a right elbow injury specifically that keeps him on the IL for 134 days, then his opt-outs move to 2031 and 2033, which I don't think are really years. I don't <laughs> believe it. Yeah. Um, I think this In fact, I'm not sure 2024 is a real year, to be fair. Yeah, we will believe it eventually. But uh, <laughs> for right now, it feels a little fresh. But um, yeah, this contract language seems like it's going to become more uh, common where pitchers have clauses in there that have to do with their health. I think Jacob deGrom had something like this in his contract. I think so. Uh, so my question to you about Yamamoto specifically is, are you concerned about his health more than any other pitcher because of his slight build? He's five foot 10 and he's uh, about 170 pounds. Has Marcus Stroman had Tommy John? He is not. I don't think. Then no, I'm no more concerned than anyone else, than That's any fair, other pitcher. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, this we're we're in a day and age where uh, there's some guys who throw a hundred that their elbow's completely fine. There's some guys that throw a hundred who blow it out every two years. It's it's I think a lot depending on your mechanics and a whole bunch of stuff that I don't understand. I'm worried about every pitcher needing Tommy John. I would worry in today's day and age that Greg Maddox, who threw like 82 on his fastball, I'd be worried that he'd need Tommy John in this day and age. 
Like, I'm no more worried about Yamamoto than I am them or anyone else. I think the the thing that makes it scary is the the long length of his contract. It opens up the probability of him having some kind of big injury in that time frame because he it's taking him from age 25 all the way up to 37. Yeah, like, I'm never going to like project that a pitcher has Tommy John, but I'm also good, not going to not project that he that he has Tommy John. Right. It's like it's very real that a pitcher is going to get an elbow injury at some time in their career. Yeah, especially Yamamoto, one like Yamamoto. He throws extremely hard. Yeah. And that's the one thing we know about velocity is that it can lead to very bad uh, injuries. Well, I mean, we've even seen it with Otani who's been in, yeah. in the major leagues for seven years. And uh, this is a 12 year contract. Otani just had his second elbow surgery. He's going to be not pitching for a second year. And he throws 99, about a hundred pretty regularly with a nasty splitter and all this stuff that Yamamoto also can throw. Um, I'm I'm not going to put a guess out there because I don't want to put anything into the uh, into the ether. Um, But it would not be surprising if he did have a somewhat long IL stint for some kind of injury in the course of 12 years. Yeah, I do think the Dodgers are actually kind of a nice place for him to land up for a lot of reasons, but. This one specific reason is that they do a really good job of managing pitcher workloads without necessarily going to like a six man rotation. They seem to mix in like an extra day of rest here and there for like one pitcher at a time. Um, And Yamamoto coming from the Japanese system where he pitched exactly once a week where they had six games in a week and each pitcher, each starting pitcher would go once per week. So he had a very, consistent regular schedule and that's like something coming over in his first year i'm guessing they're not going to say you know go out and throw 180 innings in your first inning first time in the major leagues they're going to kind of slow play it a little bit if i were to guess yeah and that makes sense like and with the all the pitchers that they've been picking up this year that kind of makes sense too because you're going to kind of need to go a little light on glass now if you want to keep him healthy for the postseason young guys Uh, all the young guys, which Ryan Pepio is gone now because he was in the Glasnow trade, right? right? But you've got Bobby Miller. If they give Gavin Stone another chance, if uh, I'm trying to think of who's healthy this year, Dustin May's not. Walker Bueller's not. Walker Bueller should be back, and he's coming off as Tommy John. Okay, so you'll want to go a little light with him to start out. Emmett Sheehan, he's young. Like they haven't signed Kershaw back. I kind of don't know that they're gonna. I don't think they're going to at this point. Yeah, but I I kind of don't want to see him go anywhere but there. It feels like he's just one of those guys that should just be a one-team guy. Yeah. But I understand them not wanting to, especially with the fact that they already have a ton of young guys and guys that have had some recent big injuries or some extensive injury history. So, like, I get not wanting to go and and put him back on the roster, but I don't want to see Kirsch go anywhere else. Fair, yeah. Maybe they bring him back and they do a seven-man rotation. Yeah. What do you think? I think Kershaw would be mad about that. Probably, but Kershaw isn't... He needs it. He needs good it anymore. 
he's good. He's good when he's on the field, but if he pitches twice in a week and a half, he's going to blow his arm out. Yeah, poor guy in the playoff. That was rough. You know the episode of SpongeBob where he had like the the blow up like muscles, and then oh, he yeah. went to try and uh, to Muscle Beach to try and work out, and they just blew out on him. That's what Kershaw pitching twice in a week oh, and man. a half reminds you're me just, of. You're just dunking on Clayton Kershaw. I am, and uh, the dude's only like what thirty five. I'm going to send this podcast to him. Oh, please don't. He, then he's going to send it to Matt Stafford, and then Matt Stafford's going to hate me, and I'm a Rams fan. <laughs> yeah. I can't have this. This is ridiculous. Okay, but basically, the entire point of this Yamamoto conversation is a lot of people have been looking at this and pairing it with the Otani contract that... Uh, is incredibly backloaded, a uh, lot of deferred money, um, essentially $2 million a year in actual money, about $46 million a year in luxury tax money uh, for 20 years as opposed to $70 mil for 10 years, which is what the AAV of the contract is. Uh, a lot of people are looking at that and saying that it is essentially, in their eyes, cheating the system. It is finding a loophole, it is building a super team, much like the big three Miami Heat with Dwayne Wig, Chris Bosh, and uh, LeBron James, or the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, you name it, and building these teams that are going to make it impossible for anyone else to have a shot, for anyone else to win, and everyone just says how unfair this is. Does that seem like a fair take on what has been going on on social media in the last couple weeks? Yeah, absolutely. Like I've heard so much stuff about how MLB is ruined and uh, the Dodgers are a super team and they don't give anyone else a chance and this and that. And I think we're going to dive a little deeper on that and talk. About yes. So we're going to dive deeper into it. But before we do. Give me one sentence on your take on that. Just one sentence. Yeah, so if everyone believes that the Dodgers are ruining baseball and, and people are enjoying the league as a whole less because of the Dodgers, then at some point it starts being true. But I don't think that it's true. I don't think the Dodgers are ruining baseball at all. I think it's a great thing for the game that they go out and spend lots of money on great players and put together the best possible team they can. Okay. So let me, how do I want to phrase this? Do you think that this is a super team that is going to preclude any other team from winning the national league? I absolutely do not believe that. I think there's several strong teams, especially the Braves who on paper, you could even, make the argument that they are a better team than the Dodgers right now. Yeah, they're definitely, in my opinion, the Braves are a more complete team. The Dodgers have the, the top of the top of the top of the top of the top. The Braves also have some of the top of the top of the top of the top of the top, but then their, their depth guys seem to be a little bit more proven, a little bit higher, higher ceiling. Um, but and maybe that's maybe that's the right place to start is let's just look at Major League Baseball 2024 rosters. And if you're building a super team, like 
obviously the Dodgers have name recognition, right? Yep. They have Mookie Betts, who is a slam dunk Hall of Fame right fielder, even if you don't like talking about the Hall of Fame for guys that are not in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's kind of hard to say he's not going to be in, right? Yep. Very obvious. Yeah. Shohei Otani. Once he reaches 10 years, he is a slam dunk Hall of Famer. There's literally been nobody like him ever. Okay. Freddie Freeman. Probable first ballot Hall of Fame first baseman. Uh, And then Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Tyler, uh, Tyler Glasnow. You got Walker Bueller. Like you've got some fantastic players on the on this team. You do also have Jason Hayward at 34 years old. He's only this 34. Is, geez. He's only 34. This is not Braves Jason Hayward. This is not the one year in St. Louis Jason Hayward. Hey, he was amazing last year. Let's let's give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah, well, yes. Yes, he was he was really good last year. I am not taking that away from him. What I am saying is this is not superstar Jason Hayward that he was at one time. This is good Jason Hayward. It's not superstar Jason Hayward. Chris Taylor. Not the same Chris Taylor as two or three years ago when he was absolutely stellar. Very true. Will Smith is not respected enough. I do think that he should really be considered up here, especially as far as catchers go. But like there's. I don't want to say holes in this team because they're not really holes, but it's not saying the lineup is stacked top to bottom with the best of the best of the best. Right. Yeah. You made you made the basketball parallel and this isn't basketball. There aren't. Three superstars out of the five players on the court at a time that that's not a thing. They have three superstar hitters in their lineup in Mookie, Freddie and uh, Shohei. But that doesn't mean that they're going to win 120 baseball games this season. Yeah. Now, on the other side of the table, let's look at the Braves. Ronald Acuna. I think he's right up there with Mookie, Freddie, Otani, as far as like superstar level, right? I mean, dude just went 40-70 last year. First time that's ever happened, ever. Um, Ozzy Albies. Probably one of the best second basemen of our lifetime. Could be, yeah. Austin Riley, arguably the best third baseman in the league right now. Matt Olson, not Freddie Freeman, but certainly not far away. Yeah, basically one of the leading MVP candidates last year and led the league in home runs. Like, guy's great. Yeah. And then you got Marcelo Zuna. I yeet him into oblivion. He could go with another guy that we're not going to talk about. Uh, Michael Harris. Young guy, a lot of promise, really fast, budding star, great defense. Sean Murphy, probably one of the next two or three catchers after Will Smith. Then you got Jared Kelnick and Orlando Arcia, who both have shown promise. Arcia has been doing it for a while. He's not elite by any means, but he's really, really solid. Like, Arcia, if he is the weak point on your team, your team is really good. Kelnick, we know what he's capable of, we think. But uh, but I would argue that this team and the rotation of Strider, Max Freed, 
Chris Sale, 40 year old Charlie Morton, and then fill in guy number five. This team doesn't have the same name recognition as the Dodgers, but I think this team is better. That's very reasonable. I mean, I, I can't argue with you there, but I can definitely make some, I can make the case for the Dodgers too. It's, it's close. You know, it's not, it's not a runaway in either way, in either direction. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's obviously very close. Like, and this is, these are both teams that were amazing last year. They were amazing the year before that. They've been building up their teams for a long time. The Dodgers have been doing this for like 10 years. When's the last time they lost the division? Well, uh, sorry, not the last time because it was two years ago when they lost to the Giants. And they were both at like 105 wins. But before wins like before that, when's the last time they missed the playoffs? It was like 10 years ago. Yeah, that's nuts. And they're setting themselves up to do that yet again. Right. But. All right. So. As far as just there being one super team in MLB, I think I've proven my point that that's not necessarily the case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are those are the class of MLB right now. And that's not even we didn't even talk about other teams that are really good, too. Like there's other really good teams in baseball. The Rangers just won the World Series. Yeah, the Rangers just won the World Series. The Yankees still aren't the team that they were in the 90s and 2000s. But adding in Juan Soto going out like they they're improving their club and their club has some of the biggest stars in the league in Garrett Cole. Probably the best pitcher in baseball, period. Full stop. End of story. You've got Aaron Judge. Single season home run record in the American League. Got Juan Soto. Dude that walks more than literally anyone else in the world ever has. Like, this is a team that if they can, if they can figure out some of these complementary pieces, I think this Yankees team is back, getting back on track to being the team or the Yankees of old. The Yankees of Georgia's time. So. But those are our two super teams right now. Are the Braves and the Dodgers. Now. What does that actually mean as far as results? Like we're talking super teams on paper. Like we've had super teams in the past. Heck, the 1920s Yankees. Super team. The 1950s Yankees, super team. The 1990s Yankees, super team. The 80s Dodgers, super team. Like, there there are super teams throughout history. But do they actually fare any better than any other team? I think they do fare better, but it's not a shoe in that they're going to win the, the World Series. Like, if you are a very, very good team, team on paper you usually live up to the expectations to some level maybe you don't meet them all the way but you're not going to be miserable I mean maybe there's a few examples of that but I have a very very hard time seeing the Dodgers being anything short of like really good like or good how can they not be a good team so I guess what would you consider a super team let's just say from preseason win projections, what is the number that you would say that constitutes a super team? A hundred. A hundred? Okay. Yeah. So 
we have the list of the preseason win projections going as far uh, from uh, Las Vegas odds going as far back as 2000. In that time span, we have essentially had three super teams by the definition of 100 or higher. I would actually lower that a little bit. I would say if it's above 97, that is considered a super team because the preseason projections putting you at 97 is kind of insane. They try and be a little bit more. That's true. uh, That's a good point. Yeah. They're pretty like conservative on on what the high totals are. Yeah, because it's hard. Like teams don't win 100 games. Teams don't win 98 games. Like there's a, a basically a handful of teams every year, if that, that win that many games in a season. Yeah. So for the projection to say that that's the line, it's it's quite lofty. So good example is 2021 with the Dodgers. They were project or like at least. The line was set by Vegas at 102.5 wins that season, and the Dodgers actually surpassed that that season with 106. Yeah, and that that's the highest since 2000, by the way. 102.5 wins is nuts. So that's a team that featured, um, I mean, that's still your Mookie Betts. That's still, let's see, who else was on that team? I'm trying to get it pulled up. I didn't have this one. Uh 2021 Dodgers. Yeah, so that was like Chris, Chris Taylor when he was having an amazing season that got him a big contract. I mean, that's like... Um, so this Turner. is Cody Ballinger, Mookie Betts, A.J. Pollock having a really good season, Corey Justin Seager. Turner, Corey Seager, Trey Turner coming in at the trade deadline. Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer at the deadline. Unreal team. Walker Bueller being an absolute beast. Um, let's see. Julio Arias having essentially a Cy Young season. Kershaw still being pretty good. Like that, that on paper was the super team. Vegas kind of backed that. They surpassed it and they still didn't win the division. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that let that be kind of a lesson on its own. Like you can be the super team you're projected to be and also still get unlucky and not win your own division. Yeah, yeah. And the, the flip side of that is that the Giants were the team that won 107 that year and they came out of nowhere. Like they were a no name in the preseason. No one was talking about the Giants. I'm curious what their preseason odds were. I'm guessing it was around 80. Uh, I am getting it pulled up. 2021. Win totals. Um, okay. All right. What What do you think it was? 79.5. 75.5. Wow. So they literally blew out their projection by over 30 uh, four, games. 42 games. 42, yeah. Yeah, 42 games. So so that's not like I don't know if there's a lot to learn from that example, but what you can learn is that it's possible. It can happen. Weird stuff happens in baseball teams. Everything went right for the Giants that year. Yes. And everything uh, went right for the Dodgers, too. Pretty much. Yeah. Like you can't say that the Dodgers underperformed in any way that year. No, because they overperformed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But. 
Yeah, so that's just one example. But the other part of it is the Dodgers starting the season as the favorites, finishing with 106 wins. How'd they fare in the playoffs? Uh, I think they lost in the first round. I believe that is correct. No, that is incorrect. They lost in the second round. They won the wild card game. Then they, they won the division the series against yeah. the Giants. Right. Then they lost to the Braves in the NLCS. If I had thought a little bit about that, I would have remembered. But yeah. Um. So th- that's a team that did almost make it to the World Series. So maybe it's not the best example. Then uh, let's just go look at the next ninety-seven win club, twenty eighteen, the Astros. Expected to win 97 and a half games. Actually won 103. And this is your George Springer, your Carlos Correa, your Alex Bregman, your Jose Altuve, your uh, um, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. Like, this was a stacked, stacked team. Did they win the World Series in 2018, Gautham? Yes or no? They did not. Who did? It was the Boston Red Sox. Do you know what the Boston Red Sox were projected to win that season? Uh, yes, because I'm looking at it. And it was 92 games, 92 wins. All right. So on paper, not the super team. Ended up beating Houston in the ALCS. Right? Yes. yes. And then beating the Dodgers. And uh, say what you will, there may have been some cheating. There may not have been. Who knows? Um, eh. But I think okay. our column here is kind of interesting, right? If we just talk about the World Series winners alone without even thinking about the super teams, just who won the World Series and their win totals from the preseason. You got the Rangers at 81.5, Astros at 91.5, Braves at 91.5. So uh, the thing that I noticed is there was only two teams that um, were projected to be the highest and were and won the World Series. Or actually, not even and were, just were projected to be the highest and won the World Series. And that's the 2016 Chicago Cubs. Projected 93 and a half wins, actually won 103, and won the World Series. The other one was, I believe, the 2009 Yankees. And they were projected to win 96 and a half games. They won 103. They won the World Series against the Phillies. But other than that, I don't think we have seen a club. uh, Well, I guess also the 2000 Yankees technically count because them and the Braves were tied for preseason odds at 96 and a half. Uh, They ended up only winning 87 games. I think they got in in a wild card, didn't they? And then they ended up winning it anyway. But, yeah, so there's only three teams that have started the season with the highest odds and won the World Series since 2000. We've had 23 World Series now. Yeah. So the the part that I thought was interesting was when you go back and look at all these, there is a club that stands out. And that club is the Yankees from 2000 to 2010. The Yankees finished or the Yankees started the season with the highest odds 
or the the best chance to win the most games eight times. The other two, they were number two. They won the World Series twice in that span, 20%, which is fairly good. Winning two World Series in 23 years even, that's pretty good. But this is a team that I have the rosters pulled up from 2000, 2005, and 2010. Like These were, by definition, I think, ring chasing built teams in baseball's best uh attempt at like an nba big three in 2000 you had Derek jeter jorge posada tino martinez bernie williams paul o'neill um you had andy pettit david cone roger clemens like dwight gooden uh uh, Orlando Hernandez, like a whole bunch of guys who were either in the Hall of Fame or had a pretty decent shot at it. That's in 2000. They had the best odds. They won it anyway. 2005, just five years later, the team looks drastically different. Still have Posada, Martinez, and Jeter, but you have A-Rod. You have Robbie Cano, Hideki Matsui, Gary Sheffield, Jason Giambi. Um, your rotation is Randy Johnson, Mike Mussina, and four guys that I don't know who they are. I do know Kevin Brown, but he's... I wouldn't necessarily look at that that rotation and go, oh my God, that is the best rotation ever. But this is still in that stretch of they are constantly projected to be the best team. You fast forward to the end of it, 2010. This, this is where you could tell it's getting towards the end of it. Um, you still have Jeter, you still have Cano, you still have A-Rod. Now you've got Nick Swisher, Curtis Granderson, Mark Teixeira, Francisco Cervelli at catcher. Is this 2009 um, or 2010? 10. Oh, okay. You got CeCe Sabathia, A.J. Burnett kind of at the end of his career, Andy Pettit at the end of his career, Phil Hughes in the starting rotation. Still have Mo. So, like, but these teams all kind of have some names that are consistent, and they're names that are Hall of Famers now. They're names of guys that will be Hall of Famers in three years. Like, there's a reason that these Yankees were so good for so long and were projected to be that. It reminds me a lot of what the Dodgers kind of have been doing and are doing for the future. So, in I could definitely see the Dodgers being projected to be the best team in the league for the next five, six years. I don't think that that's actually going to really affect how things go by the end of the season all that much. Like, yes, the Dodgers will probably continue to win the division. I think they'll still make noise in the postseason. But this Yankees team only won two ships in that time frame. Granted, you look immediately before that, they won two others in 98 and 99. We don't have the numbers for that, so I didn't mention those. So that Yankees team was great. They won five World Series in 98, 99, or sorry, they went to five. 98, 99, no, I go back a few more years. 96, 98, 99, 2000, went in 2001, won in 2009. So they were five for six in a 13-year time frame. So that's kind of what I think people are expecting from this Dodgers team. But the point of going through those rosters was to show the teams change a ton. Yeah. Like you can, yeah. Like you can still be great 
and lose all of these amazing Hall of Fame guys because the Yankees did it like just because the Dodgers are getting Otani for 10 years and Yamamoto for 12 does not necessarily mean that this is going to continue. It probably helps, but the rest of the roster can affect it, too. So that's kind of the main point I wanted to get at. Um, so a couple things came to mind as you were talking there. So like Dodgers are on some ridiculous stretch right now that kind of parallels the 2000s and the 90s Yankees. And just getting back to, we were talking about 2021 where they surpassed our huge uh, preseason total, win total. Pretty much every year of this stretch, the Dodgers have been surpassing like how good people even thought they were going to be in the preseason, which is extremely impressive. And yeah, I mean, even in the 2020 60 game season, they surpassed it by five and a half games. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. So two things. One, uh, this, this it's like the worst for like Giants fans, right? Because Giants fans see the Dodgers, their hated rival, just winning year after year, and they never feel like they can close the gap, right? So yeah, it's almost like those, maybe are those the loudest criers about like the situation? right now i don't think so i think with this situation it is league wide i think there's just so many people were excited to see otani's number and then they saw how it broke down and everyone freaked out like everyone who thought that they didn't have a chance looked at it and went well shoot our team could have done that but they didn't and they kind of freaked out so So what does it do to the Dodgers? Does it just make them the hated Dodgers? Like we had the hated Yankees of the nineties. I, so I don't know if I told you what the title of this episode is. It might clue you into my thought. It is uh, the rise of a new evil empire question mark. No, it absolutely. That's all this conversation has done is make me go down that path. Like the Dodgers are just making, becoming hateable to, all other fan bases other than their own. Yeah. Which I mean, they were already there. They basically were there. Yeah. This just so, them over the top. So if you are, uh, Andrew Friedman, you're already hated by everyone else. You just want championships. You have the money to do it. Why would you not do it? Why would you not take on the role of being the evil empire? Yeah, I no, think it's I think it's fantastic from a PR great, standpoint. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, like if you look even across sports, those hated dynastic franchises are like what brings major popularity to sports. People are always talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots, right? Yep. People are always going to be talking about that. People are always going to be talking about Michael Jordan and the Bulls in the 90s. People mm-hmm. are always going to be talking about the Yankees in the 90s. And the same thing could happen here with the Dodgers if they win some titles. It always goes back to titles with people. But the most like popular periods of those sports, football, basketball, baseball, have been when we've had these incredible teams. People pay to watch historic teams play great. So, 
so I like where you're going with that. I want to ask you a very pointed question. What are the most memorable Patriots Super Bowls? Oh, the ones they lost for sure. Exactly. Yeah. When the Giants came out and Eli Manning beat the evil empire, like beat that, yeah. the Patriots, beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. So it, it gets a lot of people riled up when you face this team. It's kind of like the, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs right now. They keep going to the Super Bowl. They keep winning the Super Bowl. Pat Mahomes is the new Tom Brady, in my opinion. Granted, we're talking baseball now. So, but like, as much as you don't want to face those teams in the postseason in the championship, you do. Right. Like, that's a great point. Like, is the one of the most memorable uh, World Series wins ever was the 2001 Diamondbacks hitting a walk off hit off uh, Mariano Rivera. It's like. That yeah, because like Luis Gonzalez, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that is one of the defining moments of baseball of the last 25 years. And it was to end a three-peat. Like, people are tired of the Yankees winning. So when the Yankees finally lose, it's a big deal for everyone. It was a bigger deal for the Diamondbacks because they'd only been ex- in existence for three years, and they want to ship. So that was huge. But, like, I... I think that this is good for baseball. I think it's great. Yeah. The more I'm thinking about it, this is awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have a lot of obnoxious bandwagoners that, uh, I mean, this isn't, I don't really think they're that obnoxious. I think it's kind of fun bringing new people in, but in a lot of people's opinions, you're going to have a lot of obnoxious bandwagoners that are going to come in wearing a Jersey of one of these four guys, Yamamoto, Otani, Betts, Freeman. But what's wrong with that? Nothing. People have baseball has constantly been kind of relegated to the background because of how slow paced it is, how boring it is, how there's not really been any good rivalries in the last 15 years. Like the Cardinals Cubs rivalry hasn't been all that hot. The Red Sox Yankees rivalry hasn't been all that hot. The Giants Dodgers rivalry hasn't been all that hot. The biggest rivalry you have is with the Dodgers and the Astros, and that's not really a fun to watch rivalry. Like Dodgers Braves is getting good, honestly, because they played a lot in the postseason and stuff. That's probably a good rivalry of today. That's true, but it's none of the historic rivalries are happening right now. So anything you can do to instigate this, um, I don't want to say vitriol because you don't really want hatred in a sport. No, no, no. You want competitiveness. Yeah, exactly. Anything you can do to instigate this competitiveness is great. Between fans kind of going and jawing at each other. it's. I went to an Angels game last year um, in May, and the Cardinals just got swept by, I think it was the Dodgers. There was a random random Dodgers fan that was there. I was wearing a Cardinals shirt because – I didn't plan on going to the game, so I just wear Cardinal shirts around. And dude starts jawing at me because the Cardinals got swept. And it's like, whatever. He's not doing anything to hurt me. He's just having some casual fun, so let's do it. I'm here for it. I miss when that happened. Like, this is giving an opportunity for everyone to go jaw at the Dodgers if the Dodgers lose. If they lose a big game, if they lose in the the, uh, division series, that would be funny. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I deleted Twitter off my phone, but I'll be back on Twitter when the Dodgers get swept out of the first round of the playoffs. It's going to be just great. But 
So super teams. No, yeah. So yeah, I think that was that was awesome. Great conversation there. Like I wanted to get back to that competitive point, right? The Giants need to be saying, like, what is going on here? We need to catch up to these guys and and go be competitive about it and try to try to do something about it, not just like lay down for the Dodgers. It's like this this is what makes the game better is having other teams push other teams to be better. You know, like the owners are almost sometimes you feel like the owners are colluding with each other because they're not like trying to spend so much or put the best product out there. But this should theoretically help the situation. I mean, even the Mets didn't pan out last year the way that Steve Cohen hoped, but Steve Cohen started pumping a bunch of money into the Mets and the Yankees heard that. The Yankees started going, well, shoot, if we want to be the team in New York, we're going to have to start trying. They don't even play each other most of the time. They get the Subway Series. That's pretty much it. But Steve Cohen kind of lit a fire under Hal. Friedman is lighting a fire under whoever the owner of the Giants is that I completely forget. Who's the owner of the Giants? Uh, I don't remember. Some businessman. Charles oh, okay. Johnson or something. Yeah. Hmm, not. It's maybe, maybe the most generic wrong. name I've ever heard. I think I may have got that wrong. I'll look it up later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if it's the most generic name ever, I'm going to go with that's a shell corporation. Um, <laughs> and the IRS probably needs to be looking. Yeah. So, so. okay. One more point and then, then maybe we can move on to, to other topics. But the the Dodgers are also on the field. They're going to have the target on their back, right? Everyone, every team that comes into town is going to say, we got to play like our absolute best baseball. Maybe that doesn't matter for anything, but like if it does, even if it helps the teams a little bit, cause they're extra juiced up to play those, those big series against the Dodgers. Like that's, that's great. Like that's all I care about. I just want the most competitive and, and best baseball I can, can watch. Yeah. So I, I think just to sum up the conversation, um, super teams, while they kind of exist on paper, don't truly exist in the same way as other sports, right? Is every other sport you can have some a couple really big superstars and can go out and pummel everybody and win, right? Sorry, Charles B. Johnson is a 90-year-old man who is the part owner of the San Francisco Giants. I'm sorry, his middle initial is B. Yeah. That's the most generic name ever. <laughs> it's amazing, Charles right? B. Johnson, Peter B. Parker. Yeah. Next, you're going to tell me he's a character in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, probably is. I haven't got that far on the Wikipedia page. It's ridiculous. Um, so super teams on paper exist. Super teams in reality kind of exist, but don't necessarily get. They don't they can't necessarily close the deal is often in this sport. So really the benefit to this kind of outweighs the downside, right? Like you're going to have a good team. Everyone wants to go out and beat. It's going to kind of hopefully increase competition because now, especially with the giants, they can't just say, well, the Dodgers are going to suck in four years. We'll take our chance then. No, 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 no. You're now looking 10 years out and you've already been behind for 10. 
Yeah, you so, can't wait that long. You got to go. Yeah, you can't wait that long. You have to start investing and try and and win an arms race. So the the benefits to this long term are probably bigger than the downsides in the short term, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Oh, did that pretty well sum up what we were saying? Yeah. Nice job. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So it's been two weeks. We talked about Yamamoto up at the top. Uh, there are a couple other moves that have happened in the two weeks that we have been gone. So I kind of want to start from maybe the, uh, maybe the least exciting to the most. Okay. We'll work our way up and these are going to be my rankings. So I'm going to give you a re-signing of Kevin Kiermaier and a signing of Isaiah Kiner Falafel to the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, uh, I mean, both these moves make a lot of sense. They're kind of depth signings. Kevin Kiermaier quietly had a really good season last year. He played a lot more than he usually does, and, when and it was plays, one of his it was one of his best well. offensive seasons too, right? It was very good. Yeah, he did a yeah. really good job, and and he's still absolutely elite in the uh, center field. IKF does well with the glove as well, so. This Blue Jays team is kind of leaning into the defense and uh, trying to help help out their overall team. I mean, solid signings, but yeah, I, I wonder, does this take them out of the, the Bellinger sweepstakes at this point? Maybe out of Bellinger, but I would say that they're probably still in on maybe trying to re-sign Chapman. That makes sense, yeah. And that would be because, even more of a lean into that defense. Yeah, and because IKF, as of the way that the roster is built right now, is probably going to play a majority of the games at third base for the Jays. If they go out and re-sign Chapman, obviously he takes that role. IKF becomes kind of your super utility, first guy off the bench, especially in a defensive situation. Uh, Kevin, Santiago Espinal. Not good. Eh, I mean, there's worse. Yeah, but... They're they're supposed to be a contending team. Like they they okay, can do IKF second base. Yeah, fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's go with a kind of uh, rehab prove it deal. Frankie Montas, one year, sixteen mil, with a twenty million dollar option for a second year to the Cincinnati Reds, and. The Reds have said that they are done with big signings for the offseason. Yeah. Thoughts? So they, they did all their shopping in a very short amount of time. And uh, I, I'm not going to go back into the, the Candelario or the, the Nick Martinez and the Emilio Pagan stuff again. This signing, I'm good with. Like, it's a one-year deal. He has, Montas has proved to be a very solid to, like, above-average pitcher in the past. So this is exactly what they need. They need starting pitching. So I'm all for it. Like good move by the Reds. I'll I'll give him credit for this one. Yeah. And this is a good move for Montas too. Like he's going to probably not enjoy his time in great American ballpark. No one does as a pitcher, Um, but he'll play 82 or 81 games away from great American ballpark. Uh, He's making $14 million. And then there's either a $2 million buyout or a $20 million team option. Um, and he basically gets to come back from injury, prove that he's still got it, and make some more money for next year. 
So this isn't a bad move for for Montas. It's not a bad move for the Reds, who really needed some starting pitching, especially veteran starting pitching. So yeah, I do actually. I do think it's a little ridiculous that he was the first and only starter that they signed. They signed Nick Martinez. I guess I always think of him as a reliever. I don't. Well, that's fair because he 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 did both this past season. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anything else on Frankie Montas? Uh, nope. All right. So next we are going all the way out to the West Coast and the San Diego Padres have signed a couple of guys from across the pond in Yuki Matsui and Gowusuk. Uh, so both of these guys are right hand. Uh, no, Yuki's a lefty. Yeah. Yuki Matsui. He's like a very short uh, five foot eight left handed closer from Japan. And it's kind of an interesting profile for a closer because first off, he's a lefty. And second off, he's not a power pitcher. He's just kind of like a soft tossing lefty that racked up like 200 plus saves in Japan. So he's clearly doing some stuff right. Like he's a very talented pitcher and they signed him to a five-year deal. Um, but I guess I'm not sure exactly how the, the skills are going to pour it over because um, he's not like your traditional flame-throwing, right-handed thrower. Or even your Josh Hader flame-throwing yeah. lefty. Right, yeah. So, and then uh, Gowoo Sook, he just signed, like, yesterday, I think, right? Yep, so he's from Korea, and he has been a closer for basically, like, the last five years, and he's been a reliever his entire career. He has some serious uh, command issues, but also has had a lot of success in the closing role. So maybe that's something that AJ Preller values, like guys that have that high leverage experience. That's what he's trying to bring. Cool. Um, so, I mean, with kind of what the Padres have been going through here the last couple months, try, uh, offloading Soto, um, kind of trying to get their payroll down, um, uh, ownership, change do you like these signings or are these just kind of like hey they did something well i think aj preller and i guess the padres team in general they must have a very strong scouting presence in uh in east asia because they brought over like robert suarez two years ago from japan he was like an awesome closer there and seemed like they're kim doing Ha-Song. A lot. yep kim Ha-Song, like they they have a huge presence in korea and japan and uh, they're just continuing that, and those other those two first guys they brought over like were very solid signings. So maybe they they really see something in these guys, and and that's the tough thing for us because we can only just basically scout them off uh, their numbers in a different professional league. It's hard to understand or figure out how it's actually going to play out when they come to Major League Baseball. Yeah, and and then on top of that, just even just being able to watch them and get the eye test really difficult being over here yep. so all right cool so we got two more so we've got mitchell garver going from the minnesota twins becoming a free agent going you to you the forgot yeah you forgot the rangers where he's batting uh third in the world series winning team bro <laughs> that's tough man that's a tough one for you okay well this yeah this is awkward 
Yeah. Please hold right. while Mason recollects himself. Uh, Mitch Garver going from the World Series winning <laughs> Texas Rangers to the uh, Seattle Mariners. Was, would, would it have been better if I just uh, let you finish that whole statement or was it better that I cut you off right there? I don't know. I, I, either way, I'm incredibly embarrassed and probably not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to be crying too much. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about Mitch Garver instead. Well, now I don't want to. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, so Mitch Garver, guy can hit. Like, he has extreme, extreme power. He is terrible at staying on the field. But I love this signing for the Mariners because he doesn't even have to play catcher. They've got I the was gonna say, ca- I, I was going to say, you, you don't want to take Big Dumper out of the lineup yeah. as the catcher. You want to leave him. He's a good hitter, and he's also a very good defensive catcher. So you want Raleigh in there playing catcher. Which allows, Garver, which allows Garver to play DH, stay on the field a bit more. You're upgrading at DH over, oh, who was it last year? Was it Teoscar? Yeah, it was like a rotating cast, and it wasn't. It wasn't good. Like they, they desperately need another hitter, especially a power hitter for that lineup because they're probably going to lose Teoscar. So, yeah. Garver makes sense to me as a DH that can catch as a backup too. So, I like the signing by the Mariners. Same. All right, last two moves, same team. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have been doing some stuff. So they went out and signed Lucas Giolito to a two-year, 38-and-a-half-mil contract. That sounds right. All right. Uh, I kind of like that. I I think Lucas still has a lot of talent. He's been up and down throughout the course of his career since 2018. Did the Red Sox, uh, this is something I was thinking about the other day. Didn't they just recently get a new pitching coach, like within the last year or two? They got a new GM is what they got, Craig Breslow. Mm, and he's a enough. huge guy in like the pitching pitching game. Like he was the guy that did was the director of Cubs pitching, basically. and. Uh, I mean, with Giolito, it's obvious. The guy's extremely talented, and he probably hurt his free agency the most by his past season, which was yeah. just really, really rough, especially in the second half. He ended up giving up. I didn't realize this. He gave up 41 home runs this past season. How many That's, did Lance Lynn give up? <laughs> Lance Lynn gave up. Um, he gave up around the same, right? Because Lance Lynn led the league. Let me get it pulled up. It was like but, 40. It was like a lot. It was over 40. So Yeah, but my, my point with that question was more um, Giolito has not been helped by the organizations that he's been in. The White Sox organization is just bad as an organization. <laughs> I, like, I, I wish uh, 44 for Lance Lynn. Um, so, yeah, he was only three off the league lead. Um but the White Sox organization just seems like they don't care about their players. They have a lot of really, really, really talented guys, and they're not doing anything to help them, which could get them more wins, get them more fans, get them more money. It wouldn't be all that hard. But they just kind of let good players die, and they did that with Lucas, it seems, in the last couple of years. And then he ended up over in um, Los Angeles, didn't really play very well there, and then got cut again right yeah he got picked up i think on waivers by 
by the Guardians, and he also was really bad there too. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I'm hoping that him basically having a full off season over with a new club with a new GM that is pitcher focused, they're going to do something to help him find what he was able to do in 2021 and get back to that because the, the dude is way too talented to be as bad as he's been the last year or so. For sure. Yeah. And I think that the Red Sox organization recognizes that. And I think they're going to do something to at least get him back in the right direction. If not back to his, his peak. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I'm just looking at his, his numbers and everything like his, his like basic skills are pretty much there. Like, and the guy stays super healthy and he still throws pretty hard and gets swinging strikes and stuff. Like there's a lot to like in, in Lucas Giolito. Giolito. He's also only 29. So it's not too yeah. late for him to turn things around. So in a two year deal, $38 million one, that's fairly good for him. Uh, money wise coming he off the season. That he came off of. He's got an opt out too, which if oh, does he, he has a great season. Then he can go out and get a huge contract. Good, um, because I was going to say, even after two years, he's 31. That's not the end of the world for starting pitchers, especially ones with longevity like he has. So um, I, I think this is a really good move for Giolito. The The monster is going to probably hurt him a little bit. The pesky pull might hurt him a little bit as far as home run numbers. But if he can get the rest of it figured out, he could get a contract anywhere. And you'd pretty much naturally expect home run numbers to come back down. Like he's going to be playing in one of the worst divisions as far as giving up home runs as a pitcher. So we'll see the other move. They brought in Giolito. They sent out Chris sale. Yeah. The Boston Red Sox have traded Chris sale and cash for Vaughn Grissom of the Atlanta Braves. I love this trade because it was so unexpected. Like when do we ever get a trade like this? That just comes out of the blue. It, It doesn't happen that often. Never. And it makes so much sense for both sides when you look at it. Yeah, it's a great. Okay, so Red Sox side, you know, it's the last year of Chris Sale's contract. He's getting older. They've just signed a younger pitcher to take his spot in the rotation. They've got a a younger pitcher who's going to take up like three times as many innings as you're expecting out of Chris Sale. (laughs) Yeah, probably. And they've got like plenty of other intriguing arms. I won't say good but they've got a bunch of guys that can compete for the back end of that rotation but second base is like a major hole for the Red Sox and it feels like it's been for years now like who played second base for the Red Sox this year like some combination of Chang. Arroyo, Yu Chang and Justin Turner when he felt like it I mean mm-hmm. it hasn't been good for a while and Von Grissom just was blocked in uh in Atlanta, he's never really had a chance to play a whole lot. And when he has, he, he kind of struggled. And then the Braves were not really in a position where they could just let him work through it. But the Red Sox are going to give him that runway and he's going to, he's going to at least have the the full opportunity to, we're going to figure out who Von Grissom is. Basically. Yeah. The only, the only position that he really had any shot to break in at for the Braves was shortstop. Because Orlando Arcia is not signed long-term. He's like the only guy on that team that's not. Um, he's, but Arcia is the... He got beat out. He got beat out. Arcia is the better defensive shortstop. Grissom, 
I I think ultimately Grissom will end up playing short for the Red Sox. I think their solution at second base is Trevor Story, and and only for one reason. Trevor Story's range is very much still there. Trevor Story's arm strength is not. He kind of destroyed his elbow a couple years ago, and his his arm strength has kind of been sapped since then. I think it would make sense to move him to second base permanently as much as you probably don't want to coach up Vaughn Grissom because he's young enough and athletic enough. He could figure out shortstop. The only thing that really concerns me is that it seemed like Ron Washington didn't have hope for Vaughn Grissom when they were in Atlanta together. So that makes me think his future is as a second baseman. That's fair. But I'm maybe for this year, I'm not as concerned. But next year and the year after that, I'm a little bit worried about Trevor Story. We'll see how the how he does after after the injury coming. Yeah. So. And then. uh, But then on the other side, Chris Sale go to the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves have a rotation that I kind of was reading earlier is really good. They have Max Fried. They have Spencer Strider. They have 40-year-old Charlie Morton, who pitches like he's 32. They have uh, Bryce Elder, who was pretty solid last year. I think we'll see if he could take the next step forward. Um, Another couple guys that could come in for that kind of fifth spot if Elder can't take it. Um, But then you bring in Chris Sale, who at almost 35, he's definitely closer to the twilight years of his career. But the dude strikes out 15 batters per nine innings when he's healthy. Yeah. He still got it. 15. That's insane. That's not a number anyone else can reach. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I won't be shy about it. Like, I'm a huge Chris Sale fan. I've been, he's like one of my favorite pitchers of all time. And he still got it, even though he's sustained like weird injuries, like falling off his bike and, uh, whatever weird stuff that happens with Chris sale, but like, yeah, it, he's, he's on, never had the same injury twice. <laughs> I guess not. Like he's a klutz. That's for sure. But he's never had the same injury twice that I can remember. Yeah. But this so, move for the Braves is totally like this. I liken this move to like the Dodgers going out and trade for Tyler glass. Now. So you, you kind of know you're not getting, a huge amount of innings, but you feel you're going to feel good about the innings that Chris Sale and, and uh, Tyler Glass now actually pitch. This is like a postseason move. This this feels like the yeah. counter, the direct counter by the Braves to upgrade their rotation and kind of match what the Dodgers are doing. It's it's the Glass now move yeah. for the Braves. Yeah, it's just an old old Glass now. <laughs> the more proven Glass now, right? So. But yeah, so lots of stuff been happening the last couple of weeks. I imagine there's going to be a lot more stuff coming soon. Um, as far as the podcast is concerned, we've got a couple of ideas. Uh, I know at the end of last year, some people were wanting some Jeopardy. Uh, I think we are going to be following through on that. Uh, we have a couple of different Jeopardy games that we're working on. Um, is there anything else you can kind of predict for getaway day pod in the year 2024? Me predict. Yeah. Oh man. Or you can just straight up tell somebody. I I don't know. I know we're a super pod and there's high expectations for us. We're going to come through whatever, whatever, uh, it may be. We're going to come through. So, um, 
I haven't thought this through, but uh, it's the beginning of 2024. I kind of would love to see some growth on on the podcast here, just in our reach. If you guys wouldn't mind helping us out, reaching a broader audience, if you see posts from us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, wherever you follow us, uh, if you don't mind sharing that on your timeline with all of your people and helping us reach a broader audience, we're hoping to bring some really good content this year. Um, we do also have the other channel, Getaway Day Cards. I tweeted out uh, about a giveaway that we are running on that as soon as we reach 150 YouTube subscribers. We're currently at 46, so we have a ways to go, but we can do it quickly with some help. So we're going to be giving away a Hobby Light Box of 2022 Topps Chrome Platinum Anniversary over there. So make sure to go check that out. Subscribe to the channel and help us get closer to giving away that box. I'm hoping to do it by the end of the month, so we'll see. Um, I think that's pretty much it for me. Peace. See ya. All right. Thoughts, comments, questions, concerns. That was fun. Just sounds like you're complaining. Oh, wait. You said it was fun. My bad. That's not a complaint. It's got real <laughs> awkward real quick. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very, very much for hanging out with us tonight. The very first pod of 2024. Let's go. Woo. Woo. We're a big fan of Pod Night. Wednesday nights, 8.30 p.m., live here on Twitch. Let's find someone to go and raid. Don't know who we're going to raid. So, uh, we could... Hmm. Twitch does not seem to be a happening place tonight. Just chatting. No. Let's go into sports and see if there's anything here. Oh, no. Shoot. I would like to mute this. Thank you. Um, Leighton sports cards. There's a lot of stuff for wrestling tonight. Doesn't really seem... Like us. All right. So what we're going to do, we're actually going to go over and raid a Yankee fan playing MLB The Show 20. So MLB The Show 20 is about to be uh, discontinued online uh, support. So we're going to go over, hang out with CC. Um, he's a really good guy. Uh, love CC. So we're going to go over, make sure to use all of the raid emotes when we do. Um, and we will see you guys next week. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app or YouTube to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Getaway Day Pod. If you enjoy card collecting, check out our sister YouTube channel at Getaway Day Cards.